Welcome to Things That Go Bump in the Night. I'm your host, J.C. Bratton. This is my second podcast of the series, and I decided to add a little bit more structure. So part one is going to center around feedback and updates. Um, I've received hundreds of reviews regarding my stories, and I would like to use this block to comment on feedback, both positive and negative. I also want to provide an update on what's been going on in my world regarding things I'm writing, or my publishing company, or just some general life updates. So that's going to be part one of the podcast. Part two is going to be the main feature, which is where I'll be maybe reading an excerpt from one of my tales, like I did in the first episode, or maybe I'll discuss a specific topic in horror and suspense, or maybe I'll have a, a guest um, to come in and, and talk and discuss things regarding horror, suspense, mystery, etc., so now that we have those details out of the way, uh, let's get started. So last year, I published a series of short stories, Who's at the Door, Parasomnia, and Dollhouse. In November of 2020, I took all these stories and published them as an omnibus or a, a short story collection uh, called Things That Go Bump in the Night. Now, let me give you a little bit of origin regarding that title. So I'm a huge fan of ghost stories and urban legends, and I came to know about Art Bell's radio show called Coast to Coast AM. Uh, There's some interesting characters that come on that show, and it's still really cool. They talk about some pretty fringe topics, including shadow people, near-death experiences, time travel, the paranormal, X-Files-like conspiracy theories, and so forth. I paid homage to the show by incorporating a fictional version entitled Things That Go Bumpin' in the Night. You'll find that in my short story, Parasomnia, with a fictional host named Pete Williams, who comes to you from the high desert of Nevada, which is very similar to how Art Bell would uh, define his location. So... Um, I mentioned in the first part of this podcast that I'm going to be featuring some reader feedback. So let's take a look actually at Who's at the Door, which was my very first short story. And for those of you who haven't read Who's at the Door, here's a plot summary. Due to an unfortunate accident, 17-year-old Jamie Patterson had a decline at Hawaiian cruise with her family and stay at home. To protect the home while they were away, Jamie's father installed a video monitor doorbell. Little did Jamie know that the device that was supposed to guard her will ultimately become her biggest nightmare. At 3.33 p.m., Jamie received a notification on her phone that the doorbell rang. However, there was no one at the door. With the aid of her estranged boyfriend, Jamie unravels a mystery more dangerous than she could possibly imagine in order to answer one simple question, who's at the door? So that's the plot summary. So uh, as of this broadcast, I have about 117 ratings on Amazon, averaging about 4.2 out of 5 stars, which is really, really great. And I thank you guys for your support on this. Um, So let's take a look at one of the um, reader reviews. Uh, This comes from Stephanie Silva, who gave um, who's at the door, four out of five stars on December 4th, 2020. So in the excerpt, um, she says, my only criticism is that I found it hard to believe that the sheriff believed and devised a plan to help. Adults rarely believe something like this, let alone come up with a plan to save the characters. Short story, wonderfully written, kept my attention, found myself craving more. So so she did like the story, but she felt that the sheriff character was somewhat unbelievable. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about that. So Sheriff King, who's um, one of our... Um, 
protagonists in Who's at the Door. So the story takes place in or around Columbus, Ohio, which is where I spent the first eight years of my life. However, Sheriff King runs a rural county, which includes the fictional city of Edenvale and Waverly Lake, which is where Jamie had her accident. So I wanted to, I wanted um, Sheriff King to come across as a small town sheriff. He knew Jamie from her car accident, so he already had some sort of relationship with her from that. And Sheriff King was a father of a teenage boy. So he was kind of relating to the characters from that perspective. And also, I want you to think a little bit about the character of Sheriff Brackett. If you recall from the original Halloween and Halloween 2, that character is also very similar to Sheriff King. So that's where I was coming from. So yes, it, it, yeah, maybe in, uh, in reality, especially in much larger counties, this may not be where you know, a, a sheriff would be so willing to talk to these, these two young, uh, young teens uh, regarding this investigation. But in this case, um, I'm just trying to show that it's a much um, smaller situation, a much more familiar situation, and also ties into the story a little bit better. So I hope that clarifies. Uh, feel free to drop me a message here on anchor.fm slash Bratton JC, and I'll be happy to address any other questions you may have about my short stories. So now we're entering part two of this podcast, and in this particular episode, I'm going to go ahead and read an excerpt from Who's at the Door, since we were already talking about uh, that short story. Anyway, um, I'm going to read the prologue and chapter one. Uh, so just kind of sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy. Prologue, May 20th. My head was spinning as I heard the sirens around me. I could feel the blood drip from my forehead, and I couldn't move my left leg. There were lights around me as I laid on a gurney. Apparently, I had hit something or someone. I just remember being tired after a long night. We just graduated, and I was at Shelley's late night party. I had a fight with Mark. It started raining when I hit the road, and it was very hard to see. Miss, I'm Sheriff King. I know things may be a bit fuzzy, but can you tell me what happened? The sheriff had a sympathetic look on his face as he hovered over me. I I can't remember. Did I hurt someone? I asked. No, miss. Uh, just one big dent on your front bumper from you hitting that tree over yonder. Looks like you weren't drinking, which is good. Did you get distracted somehow? A tree? Distracted? Something distracted me, but I just don't remember what. I'm sorry, sheriff. I'm not sure. I struggled to talk as I was in so much pain. I do remember being tired. I guess I must have drifted off the road. I remember a feeling, a feeling of being frightened. It wasn't a fear of hitting the tree. It was a ghastly fear, something that tears into your soul. Chapter One Bye, Jamie. We'll text you as soon as we land. I waved goodbye as they climbed into the car. 
Mom has always wanted to go to Hawaii, and Dad was finally able to break free from his robotics company long enough to take Mom on the dream vacation for their 20th anniversary. They were such a cute couple. Dad was six feet four, Caucasian. Mom was barely five feet, Korean descent. I met them in the middle at five feet seven inches with long brown hair and large brown eyes. When I closed the door, the house felt a bit cold, but I was glad to have it to myself for the next two weeks. It had been about a month and a half since my accident, and now I'm in a walking boot. I didn't feel I was in any condition to enjoy Hawaii with mom and dad. They wanted to cancel the trip, but I vehemently said no. It was their anniversary, and I knew how much this trip meant to mom. Besides, spending a few weeks at home wasn't so bad, especially for a homebody like me. Mark was in town, and he offered to help me out. He lives across the street, and my parents adore him. Mark is over six feet tall with dark brown hair and sky blue eyes. We were high school sweethearts. However, he's moving to California to attend Caltech in September, and I'm going to stay local and attend Ohio State. They say long-distance relationships never work, so I ended our relationship the night of the accident. Mark wasn't happy about it. He's been pining for me ever since. We live in the suburbs outside of Columbus. Our home is quite spacious, three bedrooms, two and a half baths, 2,500 square feet. What I love about the house is a small loft on the top of the stairwell. I sort of made that area my mini lounge. My mom had a huge collection of suspense stories that she let me keep. For several hours, I curled up on my futon and I became immersed in a young adult thriller about a babysitter being threatened by a mysterious stranger. Then it happened. It was 3.33 p.m., and my phone chimed to tell me that it sensed motion at the door. See, Dad installed this fancy motion sensor gadget to catch package thieves. You can never be too careful, Dad always said. With the clunky walking boot, I was in no condition to go running down the stairs. The app on my phone would have to do. When I loaded the app, I saw the front porch with a view of both the street and Mark's house. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary except... There was no one at the door. How could this be? The camera must have picked up something. That feeling was back. That feeling I had six weeks ago. That night. I wobbled down the stairs as fast as I could, and I opened the door. I was startled by Mark. Hey, wow, I didn't mean to scare you, Mark exclaimed. I was relieved to see Mark, but I paused to look around the porch area. Again, nothing looked out of the ordinary. Mark, did you see anyone drop by, I asked. Mark shook his head. I looked back at the app on my phone. It indicated that there was a new motion, being that Mark was on the porch. Oh, you have that app that lets you see if there's motion at the door, huh? It's pretty cool, Mark said. Well, yeah, I'm still a little bit confused. At 3.33, the app told me that someone was at the door. I didn't see anyone in the video. Can you look? I showed the video to Mark. Maybe it's just a breeze. It's been a bit windy today. Maybe that set off the motion sensor. Mark investigated the doorbell and the device sensor. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary, but how could it be? Not sure what to tell you, Jamie, but everything looks normal. Everything did seem normal, and I was definitely feeling better now that Mark was there. Oh, well, false positive. No sense in worrying about it, right? I shrugged. Hey, why did you drop by, Mark? Oh, no reason. Just wanted to see how you were doing. Your parents left for their trip, so I thought you could use some company. Mark came into the house, and we settled on ordering pizza and watching some TV. The History Channel was playing a special on ghosts. 
Parapsychologists discuss various theories, one of which proposed that apparitions are interdimensional beings who are living in another time and space, the multiverse theory as it was called. In it, ghosts may simply be temporarily visible to us as dimensions get crossed up, giving us a glimpse into another world. Maybe that's what happened, Jamie. Maybe another dimension rang your doorbell, Mark smirked with amusement. He could be such a smart ass sometimes. I shook my head at him. Seriously, in another dimension, you and I are not sitting on this couch, but we could be in Paris having a romantic stroll by the River Seine. Mark moved closer to me on the couch. I could be leaning over to you like this. Mark's blue eyes pierced into mine as he gently placed his hand on my face, slowly running his thumb on my lower lip. I could feel my heart beating faster. I never knew Mark could be this romantic. Mark's lips were ready to touch mine when the doorbell rang. The phone buzzed, indicating motion at the door. It was the pizza delivery guy. Mark and I went back to watching TV and began eating the pizza. I wasn't brave enough to bring up what almost happened, and neither was Mark. Maybe it was for the best. I kept reminding myself that long-distance relationships don't work. It was like what happened with my friend Shelly last summer. She met a really great guy who was visiting his cousins. They had a whirlwind romance for two months. He promised to write. She promised to visit him over the breaks. It just wasn't meant to be, I guess. Mark, Mark switched over to the local news. They run a special on Saturdays called Missing to discuss ongoing missing persons investigations in the area. There was a report of a girl, age 13, named Mary Montgomery of Edenvale. Her parents were unknown. Her guardian, Ross Montgomery, came on the screen. A bearded man in his mid-50s who looked a little bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars. He was in the middle of... It was in the middle of the night, and Ross heard a loud thump in the hallway. He went over to check on Mary, but she had vanished. A photo of her appeared on the screen, and a chill came down my spine. She had very pale skin, long dark hair that seemed to cover her face slightly. She was wearing a white blouse and had an empty smile. Ross Montgomery indicated that he remembered his clock had read 3.33 a.m. when he heard a thump on May 20th. My heart started to pound really fast, and I dropped my drink on the floor. Whoa, hey, let me help you clean that up. Mark reached over for some napkins. Are you okay, Jimmy? Looks like you just saw a ghost. I think I just did, I said softly. So there you have it. Those are just a few excerpts from Who's at the Door. Um, the, the short story itself is available to download on Amazon Kindle. Uh, you can also get a paperback copy as well. Uh, so feel free to go to Amazon, search for JC Bratton, or you can go to my website, bluemilk.co, and you'll have a, a straight link over to uh, be able to download or purchase the paperback. Uh, next week, we're going to go through and talk a little bit about Bloody Mary, who is sort of like the villain in a lot of my stories. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about that urban legend, because I think once you hear more about her, you'll have a better understanding of kind of where I'm coming from in certain parts of my stories. Uh, so thank you very much for listening and have a good night or morning wherever you're located. Thank mm-hmm. you.